0: Hello everyone, James Barnett here, creator and producer of the Night's End podcast. We hope you've been enjoying the second season so far. We're a little over halfway through and can't wait to bring you more tales. Now, you may be wondering why we are releasing another episode so soon. Well, the truth is, I'm here to introduce you to another amazing podcast that I've had the pleasure of working with a few times now. This type of episode is what we are going to coin as... A night's end spotlight where we want to help expose other fantastic podcasts that you may not have heard of before the name of this podcast is the tiny tales podcast and is created by two lovely people re rule and frank norrod re rule writes and narrates the episodes and frank norrod writes the music and handles production these are two fantastically talented creators and i'm excited to feature an episode of tiny tales here today If the name Ari Rule sounds familiar, that's because she narrated The Elevator Game a couple of weeks back, where I think you'll agree she did a fantastic job. I have also guest narrated on their podcast on the episode What Happened That Night, which is a spooky tale that I recommend you go check out, but not before you listen to this creepy tale. If you enjoy this episode, please go and subscribe to the Tiny Tales podcast. Or head to their website, www.tinytailspodcast.com for more info. Now sit back, dim the lights, and remember, don't ever close your eyes. There's no telling what can come for you. Haunted. Written and narrated by R.E. Rule. Music and production by Frank Norrod.
1: Like the ancient curses of the pharaohs, the multitude of explanations for the hysteria and hallucinations of those who have spent extended time in old houses far outweighs the possibility of the paranormal. Drafts and cold spots from wind finding its way through rotting walls, illness caused by mold or gases caught in rusty pipes— Strange noises triggered by the introduction of a foreign body into a delicately balanced ecosystem. Or simply the habitation of a stray cat or nesting pigeon. I had yet to find a symptom without a cause. Still, each new investigation began with the hope that this time I would find the exception to the rule. As I gazed up at the house, perched on its tree-covered hill like a vulture eyeing its prey, the familiar tingle of possibility crept up my spine. A century of abandonment had clawed the flesh from it until only bare bones remained, bleached and crumbling, listing to one side. To the untrained eye it would seem only a sad monument to an era long since past. but I noticed with some fascination the unbroken windows and the strange chill in its shadow. I attributed that to the changing seasons, but the windows... Perhaps things back then truly were built to last, or perhaps its reputation was sinister enough to still the hand of even the most destructive youth. A metal fence topped with sharp spikes circled the grounds, rigid against the grasping hands of the vines seething up it. The gate swung open with a raucous squeak, and I waded into a tangled garden. Brittle and browning stalks lay in heaps, weeds smothering all other plant life. The lone survivors patches of small purple flowers huddled in their shadow. Vines swarmed over the path, clutching at my ankles as I fought my way to the door. Not a bird, not an insect, stirred. Even the leaves seemed frozen, afraid to move, and every step Every rustle of undergrowth beneath my feet felt sacrilegious, like the garden itself winced at the noise. Crumbling stone steps led to a dilapidated porch and a heavy door with an ornate handle and a door knocker clamped in the fang-filled jaws of a fiendish face. A melodramatic touch but the modern screws holding it to the decaying wood set my skepticism firmly back in place. The door creaked open at my touch to reveal a dusty hallway and a staircase leading up to a small landing. Moats danced in the sunlight filtering down through cracks in the roof and the stench of mold and stale water filled my nose until I could taste it. I hung my pack over the leaning banister to retrieve a flashlight and mask. While any so-called spirit who had taken up residence here might not be a killer, asbestos was. As I slid on the mask... A breeze rushed down the hall, hurling the door shut. The house shook with the impact, the walls shaking themselves free of dust and cobwebs. I jumped at the deafening noise, but I had spent enough time in drafty houses, To know the ominous welcome was little more than the work of an open door or window at the back of the house. Waving the hovering dust away, I began my explorations. The floors moaning in protest under my feet. It would have been a charming house... BUT NOW IT HAD FALLEN INTO DECAY, EACH ROOM STANDING SILENT, HOLDING ITS BREATH UNTIL MY CREAKING FOOTSTEPS PASSED ON. LACE CURTAINS HUNG LIMP FROM BRASS FITTINGS. TARNISHED WOOD AND MOLDERING FLORALS SAT PRIMLY UNDER ITS VEIL OF DUST. Time and moisture had shredded the contents of the gilt frame over the hearth like the work of angry fingers. Chairs stood casually pushed from tables, as if their occupants had merely stepped away. A study, a parlor, and a kitchen and dining room connected by a low door lay on the ground floor. A heavy door was built into the wall beneath the stairway, but it hadn't opened when I tugged on the handle, and I assumed it to be locked. Up the creaking stairs were three bedrooms, the beds within covered with sewn quilts starched with dust, and a sitting room lined with windows overlooking the garden. I sat in a rocking chair, gazing out at the small town in the distance, citizens weaving through its streets like toiling ants. Night was falling, and soon my work could begin. But for now, I waited. The wood creaked nervously under my weight, but all around me, The house stood silent. I started awake in a darkened room. I thought I had heard a door slam, but everything was silent now. The town had faded to a soft glow. I shivered at the cold of nightfall and reached for the pack I had left by my feet. But my flashlight illuminated only dusty floorboards. Damn! I winced as my voice echoed in the blackness, offensive in the silence. I swept my light across the room, hoping my pack had slid away on the uneven floors, but my search yielded nothing. Out of the corner of my eye, a patch of grey flickered in the blackness of the open door, and I whirled to face it, but my flashlight revealed only an empty doorway. It's your imagination, I whispered trying to ignore the prickling nerves itching up the back of my neck. My pack had vanished. I felt my way down the stairs to the door, picking around rotten floorboards as I went. I tugged the handle, but it wouldn't budge, the frigid cold wedging it shut. I braced a leg on the doorframe and heaved, praying for the screech of wood as it released but it wouldn't move. Damn! I defied the silence again, kicking the door angrily. Hoping to find the back door more accessible, I stumbled down the hall to the kitchen. Cupboards and tall cabinets full of dusty dishes lined the walls, but no back door revealed itself. I stumbled through the rooms, searching more and more frantically as I found only peeling wallpaper or shelves of rotten books. I paced the perimeter of the kitchen, my ragged breathing deafening, the house shrinking around me. My flashlight beam hovered over the heavy door beneath the stairway. Presumably it led to the cellar. The thought of descending into a darker, danker pit turned my stomach, but the need to get out twisted inside me, and I forced my feet forward. As my fingers brushed the rusty handle, something shifted beneath my feet. From the bowels of the house, a low thud echoed through the floorboards, and the hair stood up on the back of my neck. I strained to hear in the utter silence that followed, my heart pounding in my ears. With a thunderous crash, an unknown force slammed into the door, and I reeled back, my flashlight clattering to the floor. The door shuddered on its hinges under the violent beating, and an unearthly wail floated through the decaying wood. I sprinted down the hall toward the front door. A shadow shifted at the foot of the stairs, and I slammed into it, tumbling into a heap. I scrambled back, staring at the tangle of limbs sticking out from under a pale summer dress. A mass of black hair, barely visible in the darkness, spread out on the floor, and a terrified young face, set with wide eyes, stared back at me. With a sob, she threw herself against me, clinging to my clothing have you been here? I asked, instinctively moving to comfort her. Our collision had shaken me out of my panic, and the silence that had fallen since I crashed to the floor made me wonder if I had imagined the whole thing. I don't... Her sentence disintegrated into a teary mumble, and she buried her face in trembling hands. I shrugged off my jacket and wrapped it around her shivering form, rubbing her arms to warm her. "'What's your name?' I asked, more gently this time, seeing that she was in shock. "'Violet,' she murmured, her frigid hands clutched to her chest. "'Why are you here?' "'He locked me in the basement!' she sobbed. "'I tried. I beat on the door, but he wouldn't let me out. He came down to—' Tears overwhelmed her again. "'I ran up the stairs and locked him in, but he's going to get out.' "'Who?' She violently shook her head, as if the fear of acknowledging her attacker was worse than the deed itself. The beam of my flashlight was splashing against the far wall of the kitchen. I pulled us both up, taking her clammy hand in mine. I'm going to get us out of here. Is there another door? I started toward the kitchen, but she yanked me back. No! He'll find you! Her voice reverberated down the hallway and something again slammed into the door, shaking the walls with renewed force. Flashlight abandoned, I tugged frantically at the front door. Splintering wood cracked behind us, and I grabbed Violet's hand, dragging her up the stairs into the parlor where I had so foolishly fallen asleep only hours before. Heavy footsteps and a wordless garble echoed up the stairs behind us. I wedged the door shut with a chair, and our attacker slammed into it, shaking dust from the rafters. Get behind me, I told Violet, herding her into the far corner. The risen moon filled the room with a faint, white light, and I snatched an antique poker from the hearth gripping it in shaking hands. Each impact against the door sent adrenaline coursing through me, my heartbeat pounding in my mouth. A low sob floated through the door, swelling to an incomprehensible shrieking as the door shuddered on its hinges until the rotted wood gave way. A hunched creature lurched inside, tripping over the broken chair and crashing to the floor. A hand, fingertips bloodied and dripping, reached for me, and crazed eyes peered out from under matted hair. It was inhuman. Monstrous. Animal. Violet whimpered behind me, and the creature's gaze snapped to her, With a muted shriek, it hurled itself at me. I clenched my eyes and swung. Impact shuddered up my arms. When I looked again, the creature had crumpled to the floor, and I beat at it wildly until the bloody fingers twitched and lay still. The poker clattered to the floor as silence again fell over the house. I stumbled back, sagging against the wall and sliding to a seat. Tears of relief and fear blinded me as I gasped uselessly. As my panic gradually subsided, my awareness returning to me again, a soft singing filled the room. I wiped the haze from my eyes to see the girl kneeling over the body, swaying with a strange melody. The raspy sing-song continued. Violet? Her head swiveled toward me moonlight illuminated sunken eyes, black veins snaking across her skin. She grinned wolfishly, a pale tongue pinched between her teeth. Her hand dragged through the growing pool of blood as she crawled toward me on spider legs. Drip, drip, drip. Through the floors, through the boards Down, down, down to the dark I shrank back against the wall The breath frozen in my throat A hot tear ran down my cheek Stop crying She hissed Her cold breath in my face, stinking of death Fallon hit her head Stupid girl. Always was a stupid girl, just like you. Stop it! I reached for her, to shake her, to force this hallucination out and her humanity back in. But an iron grip, impossibly strong and cold as ice, closed around my wrist. White teeth bared against pale gums as she sneered at me. Dirty shoes, slamming doors, toys on the floor. Watch your mouth. Back to the darkness. Back to the darkness. The sing-song resumed, swelling to a shriek. Shut up! She screamed, and her head jerked violently to the side. She collapsed to the floor with a whimper. Behind her, pale moonlight washed over, not a monster, but a human face, bloodied and beaten almost beyond recognition. The nails of the bloodied hands had been torn away, torn from clawing at the wood of their dark prison. Terror took control, and I barreled past her, slipping in the blood and tumbling down the stairs as I ran. I yanked wildly at the door, but it stood silent and impassive against my pleading. When I turned, she was standing behind me, her dark hair hanging over her face, the bloody poker clenched in her fist. I whispered. Please don't kill me. Don't make me, she snarled. Don't make me hurt you again. Don't make me. Her body tremored violently, and the poker clattered to the floor. Her eyes lifted to me suddenly, wide and full of terror. No more! good, I promise, please, don't make me. With a shriek, she ran down the hallway, leaving bloody footprints in her wake, and the basement door slammed. I pounded uselessly at the sealed door, screaming, my voice lost in the silence of the house.
0: Today's episode of Tiny Tales was written and narrated by R.E. Rule. Music and production by Frank Narott. If you enjoy our show, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Join us on Patreon for as little as $1 per month to gain exclusive access to the Tiny Tales soundtracks. Visit us at tinytalespodcast.com for details.